Okay. Okay. Today's sicha is a sicha on the book the parsha of Beracha. This is the bracha, the bracha that Moshe Rabbeinu ends off the prayer of blessing the Jews before he passed away. And we have here a fascinating look at the difference between Ahara and Moshe. And um, the Sikh is going to address the fact that seemingly there's a self-deprecatingness here that's being pointed out. Moshe about himself, actually, but it's really post Moshe passing. The Torah seems to point out something less than 100% positive about Moshe. And the question is, why would he do that in connection with his passing? Usually, when somebody passes, we highlight the specialty of their life, not where they perhaps were someone deficient. So let's jump in and we'll see what we're referring to. I'll look, paragraph one. The distinction between crying when Moshe Rabbeinu passed away and the crying that they cried when Aharon Akain passed away after their respective passings. So by Aaron it says, by Yivku I say, Kol Beis saw that the entire house of Israel mourned for him for Aaron they passed away. Whereas by Moshe it says, by Yivku B'nei Yisrael, the children of Israel, doesn't say all the children of Israel and doesn't say the house of Israel. Says the sons or children of Israel more. So there's two interpretations here. One picking up more on the fact that it says all, other picking up on the fact that it speaks, it changes language between children of and house. First Pirush is that when Aaron was had passed away. So because Moshe Rabbeinu was there to cry about the loss of his elder brother. So therefore, everybody cried because of the respect and all that for Moshe. You see that the great leader is bemoaning and crying over the loss of something. So then, who's not going to cry? However, when Aaron passed away, when Moshe Rabbeinu himself passed away, there was no one as great as Moshe was. When Aaron passed away. So the appreciation of the loss, the crying was not a collective crying, only the men cried. They were more, we would assume they were more able to understand the content of what was lost and they, because the emotional aspect of what was lost was there really. Moshe Rabbeinu cried for Aharon's loss, that was a very visceral, it was a very vivid and, 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 and obvious collective crying. Once Moshe Rabbeinu passed away, there was no one like Moshe to cry for Moshe. Only the men cried. Second interpretation is that by Moshe Rabbeinu, only the males cried because they were recipients of Moshe Rabbeinu as a teacher. By Aaron, who was Reidev Shalem, he pursued peace. And when Moshe Shalem, he implanted peace between one man and his fellow, between husbands and wives. That's called Beis Yisrael, that the entire house of Israel cried, Zecharim Onekebes, men and women alike. Then a footnote that ever also picks up on the call by Aaron, it says all of, it's not just that there's a an obvious inclusion of, of women, but it also says all of. And by Moshe, it doesn't say, it says also the men, but it doesn't even say all of the men. So we see a much greater 
what seems to be a much greater feeling of loss, of bereftness, when Aaron Akim passes away, more so than when Moshe passes away. Now, according to the first explanation we said, what means it is that the, the emphasis that all of Israel mourned, and, sorry, Vayivku B'nei so that the children of Israel, only the men, it doesn't say all of Israel mourned, with, as, as it says by Aaron, special, actually brings about Moshe's specialty. Why wasn't everybody crying as much for Aaron, for, for Moshe's passing as for Aaron? Because Moshe was so great that he, his crying pulled along, it, it, it instigated, inspired the mass crying. So when Moshe passes away, we're kind of, we're, 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 we're highlighting his greatness. Now he's gone, there's no one as great as him. And nobody to, to lead this mass communal crying. So in the first interpretation, this actually this is highlighting Krishna's greatness. When he was there for his brother's passing, he in Hebrew would say, Usachafet kulam. He, 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 I say that in English, he, he pulled everybody along, swept everybody up in the emotion of the loss. Now he goes, he isn't there anymore. So that's it, that would be appropriate to point out at the at the date of passing of Moshe Rabbeinu, bemoaning the loss of Moshe. However, in the second explanation here, where we say that the emphasis is here that it says that the Bnei Yisrael, only the men cried for Moshe's loss, not the women. And why didn't, why by Aaron did the women cry? Because Aaron was a peacemaker for all segments of society. That seems to be inappropriate to talk about when Moshe Rabbeinu passes away. It's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing, it's, it's an astonishing thing here. We understand that where we talk about the passing of Moshe, it would be appropriate to talk about Moshe's mileage, about his advantages over everybody else. As it does say in this passage that Moshe, his eye didn't get dimmed. And um, there was never any other prophet like Moshe. He did all these miracles. Yeah, that the saw the hell. So, how do we put at the relating of the passing of Moshe? We put something detrimental that he was not the peacemaker. Oh, Aaron was the peacemaker. That's why everybody, even the women, cried. He was, you know, he, he didn't, he didn't, he, he didn't have that special. It's not the place to point it out. Imagine coming to a eulogy, and all of a sudden pointing out how great this guy's brother was so great. We're talking about him who passed away. Why are you pointing out his brother's out? Paragraph two. An even greater astonishing point is the language in which Rashi gives over this information. Rashi says that B'nai Yisrael, the children of Israel, in other words, the males, cry. He was pursuant of peace. He pursued peace and he placed, instilled peace between one man to the other and one woman and a woman to her husband, a husband to a, a wife to a husband. It says that the entire house of Israel, male and female, all bemoaned him, uh, cried about his passing. Now, seemingly, if Rashi is just coming to explain the nuance in the language, by Aaron, it says, all of the house of Israel were by Israel. So Rashi should have started off with this very topic. We should say, B'nai Yisrael refers to the males. But by Aaron, it says, Kol Beis all, also the males. And then say, 
because he was the difference. The reason for the difference is because he was instiller of peace. And the fact that Rashi starts off with describing Aaron's virtues, and then he says, and that's why there's a difference in language. So it seems, far from this, that Rashi is not just trying to explain the difference in language. Kol Beis Yisrael versus Bnei Yisrael. All the house of Israel versus just the sons of Israel. No, no. In in our Pasuk, it means sons. But also Rashi is trying to point out the, the virtue of Aaron over Moshe in the peacemaking aspect. Again, so that's an astonishing thing. The topic is Moshe's passing and somehow we're highlighting the advantage and upper point that Moshe has and a great, a great depth at length, the greatness of Aaron over Moshe. Now you can't answer that on the contrary because Moshe Rabbeinu was such a great person. So we have to say that when it came to making peace, don't be just like Moshe. You have to learn also from Aaron. If you're trying to achieve the epitome of perfection, even by Moshe Rabbeinu, we say that Aaron achieved something in this aspect more than him. But that can't be the reason because that wouldn't be the place to talk about it. Yes, you can talk about Aaron's greatness, but not when you're supposed to be highlighting Moshe's greatness. So we understand from this that when it's obvious, therefore, the questions are so are so strong that it's obvious that when we're learning about the passing of Moshe, obviously we need to know about the difference between him and Moshe, and we need to be pointed out to that Aaron's advantage in this way, in the way of peace, is more significant than Moshe. And that's why the Pasuk here, by Moshe's passing, points out that it was only the children of Israel. Rashi reveals here that the Pasuk is telling us here, is alluding to the greatness of Aaron, his virtue of him over Moshe. And why is Aaron greater? We want to point out the reason. Because he was the one who instilled peace. He was an active pursuer, an active um, instigator of peace. But again, so we see that it's that it's intentional. But we don't understand yet why it's intentional. What the intention is. Paragraph 3. So we'll understand this by prefacing the reason that by much, uh, we don't find that our sages should say let, let's 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 talk about the elephant in the room. It's silent after all the elephants are in the sukkah now, so there's no elephant in the room. But if Moshe Rabbeinu had a brother Aaron who excelled in being in bringing peace, why didn't Moshe mirror and uh, and and uh, mimic Aaron's behavior? Why did he stay Moshe and Aaron was on top of him in this? So here's the question, paragraph three. First, we understand why is it that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't act that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't act like I understand that it's not because Moshe Rabbeinu had a lacking in love of his fellow Jew. On the contrary, the Gemara points out Moshe Rabbeinu Yisrael Hayon. Various places you say that Moshe Rabbeinu was a lover of Jews. He was the faithful shepherd of every single Jew. 
and he took care of all their needs. When we say taking care of all the needs, this includes the spiritual needs. He himself ensured that water would be provided to all the people. And not just... Sorry, not water. <laughs> he says, it's, uh, no, no, it says that uh, Moshe and his eyes were not dimmed, but the light over here in the sukkah. Not wearing glasses, so I, I read it wrong. Both in their spiritual needs. In other words, he taught them Torah. He didn't just learn Torah generally with the people. And not just the laws of Torah, which obviously as a, as, a, as a shepherd, he had an obligation to teach them how they must behave, what they should do, and what they must stay away from. But he also went further than that. He gave them pilpula. He gave them the pilpul. The, I would say, exegesis, but it's not that. It's much more. It's the back and forth. It's the depth of the discussion of question and answer um, in Talmudic style, which it was given to Moshe and to his progeny. It wasn't shared. Hashem didn't share it initially with the entire community. The entire community would have just got more of a instructional Judaism. By the way, even the instructional Torah would have been vast. If all of us would know all of the instructions with all the details, that's also a big thing. But Moshe Rabbeinu cut this pill this, this depth of Torah, and he says about him, He was very good-eyed about it. He was a generous, and he gave it to everybody. So you see, he took care of their spiritual needs. Not like he said, we're going to keep it to the ruling elite. They're going to have access to Torah that they don't have. He opened it up to everybody. He was a faithful shepherd spiritually and physically. Starting from the fact that the man, the manna came in the schus of Moshe, the merit of Moshe. And also the other things, which the clouds of glory, when uh, us now, reminding us of the clouds of glory that enveloped us, they came in the merit of Aaron. The Miriam had the merit that the water, the water that's called the well of Miriam, came in her merit. But after they respectively passed away, those things retained and remained and came back in the in, in, in the privilege of Moshe, the source of Moshe, the merit of Moshe. So he was the consummate on faithful shepherd who took care physically, spiritually. So it can't be that he was lacking in love for his people. However, what does it mean? Why didn't Moshe reach the level of Aaron in the loving kindness? Is because Shat is like this, that Moshe Rabbeinu, his Indian and his mission was to be in a different way. His love for each person had to be different, even the way he instilled peace. It was a Moshe mode, not an Aaron mode. There was a distinction. What do we mean? Paragraph four. Explanation is follow. We talk about instilling peace, that Aaron instilled peace. Our sages tell us, in order to make peace between two people, he had to be Meshane. He slightly altered the reality, the truth. The example given in the, um, I think, obviously, that Abnasan even goes into the details. So Reuven would fight with Shimon and talk to each other, and Aaron would meet Reuven and say, Ah, I just bumped into your friend Shimon. He said, My friend? We don't talk. He says, No, 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 that's what you think. But Shimon says, I wish I could I could rekindle that that beautiful relationship I had with Reuven. And Reuven says, Shimon said that? He says, Yeah, I could hear it just, I could hear it so loud. Okay. 
comes into Shimon. He says, Shimon, I met your friend Ruben. He says, that scoundrel Ruben? You call him a scoundrel? He, he, he wishes, he wishes. You know how much money he would pay to try and get a mediator to, to fix things up? Says, what? He would pay money oh. to mend our relationship? Yeah. I, it was so... I heard it. I heard it. He didn't say how he heard it. He heard the neshama was, of course, every neshama was like peace, but so he kind of, you know, but you know what happens when Reuben and Shimon meet up together in the in shul the next morning? They pull each other's shoulders and they understand, wow, they really care for each other. That's it, over. So what did Aaron do? Aaron, Mishane, he changed. He altered some of the reality in order to create peace. And there's a halacha that our sages tell us, mutar leila adam a person is allowed to change and alter certain aspects of things in order to create peace. Moshe Rabbeinu, however, since his midah, his whole essence, the whole his whole modus operandi, not just modus operandi, his whole being, was MS, was true. He couldn't allow himself. He just couldn't. It wasn't for him to be in this mode of altering things, to tell the truth, the unadulterated truth that would be, that would be presented. Now, even though that you're allowed to change because of Shalom, however, that's it. Who teaches us you're allowed to change? Not common sense. Torah says. And we, square brackets, points out that ever we say elsewhere that it says, you're allowed to change. It doesn't say you're allowed to lie. Torah cannot tell you you're allowed to lie. Torah can tell you you're allowed to reframe or you're allowed to present things in a way where, you know, as I'm saying in Yiddish, I'm not sure if it's exactly the same, but a little bit that can lend, lend into here. Mitarnish liginen. Tarnish zogen can ligen. Aber dem ganzen emes darf man nicht zogen. You're not allowed to lie, but you don't always have to tell the whole truth. Sometimes people are stuck, are fixated in, 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 in giving more details than they need to, saying more than they need to. So, However, Torah tells you, so Torah is saying Lashana is to change, not to not to lie. However, the, the that kind of behavior, the change, the fudging or the reframing for the sake of peace, it is however way, however high level and good praiseworthy it is, it's a helm, it's a concealment over the memes, over the the, the unadulterated truth. In the season of the Sukkot and Simchas Teira, there's there's unadulterated uh, vodka. That, uh, <laughs> that's the ninety-six. Even the ninety-six, ninety-six. That, that, that's pure alcohol. The real pure one. If you drink it, you die. But, uh, but you know, uh, anything, anything that people are drinking, all the drinks, that's that conceal a little bit of the power of alcohol. Pure alcohol. Sorry, I missed I mixed that that mushroom. It's not irrelevant. <laughs> I just think of rain. I hear the word rain. rain. Clear truth. Crystal clear truth. In order to fudge, fudge is not a good word. In order to reframe surface, there needs to be a little bit of a cloudy, clouding over or a concealment over the pure truth. And that's not for Meshra Rabbeinu. For Meshra Rabbeinu, whose message is MS, truth, that's not him. That's that's Aaron This is a big topic. The footnotes quote: um, "You really want to learn more about this? 
between Moshe Rabbeinu's Midasa Emes and Aaron Mids, Rebbe sends to the book that was authored under the Rebbe's request and guidance by Rabbi Yoel Khan, a blessed memory, called Sefer Erkim Chabad, the book of, uh, of uh, almost like an encyclopedia of Chabad concepts. And there is, I believe, several pages there about Aaron. So now let's continue to talk about Moshe. When Moshe teaches Torah to the Eden, he gives them everything in Torah, and he teaches them you're allowed to change in certain ways to keep peace. He teaches that he teaches that as an ethos and a value, but when it comes to his own behavior, and Moshe Rabbeinu's level is truth, and that's his mission in this world. He can't adopt this way for this personal And perhaps, Rebbe says, let me add another point to this. He's not able to put himself, to lower himself to those kinds of people. It's not just he can't adopt this behavior. But the mere interaction with the kind of people who are at a stage where the only way to, to bring them to their true selves, Ruben and Shivan fighting is a problem. It's not their true selves. But tell them the truth. You have an ishama. He has an ishama. It doesn't work. If Aaron could do it that way, he would have done it that way. They're at that level where they're not ready to hear the truth. They're ready, though, to have a reframing. It's just Moshe to lower himself to that kind of pe person is a departure is it, it, is hard for, it's not it's not his union tells what kind of people where are, where those people are holding so since and by the way is is this other 25 where's 25 yeah the Rebbe points that Moshe Rabbeinu this is not this is not a um, I don't think you have this is by the way you know Take Moshe, Moshe's, we can't talk about Moshe Rabbeinu. Let's talk about regular people. Regular people, when they say, I'm, look, what can I do? I'm like this. I can only say the truth. Let's say somebody said that. All of a sudden you find that when it comes for personal convenience, all of a sudden they're not saying the truth. I've had people that say, but they, I saw that person, he's not truthful. I'm a truth person. And then I see from the side, I see that once all of a sudden came to something uh, thing and all of a sudden you're asking me how can I make a, a shortcut? Okay, Moshe Rabbeinu, because we're all we're all subjective. There, there's a subjectivity to us. Moshe Rabbeinu, look what Moshe Rabbeinu does. He suffers because he's truthful. Where does he suffer? Huh? Who remembers? Moshe Rabbeinu gets chastised by Hashem when he comes and says, Hashem sends him to the people. Go to Paray, doesn't work. Paray, boom. Tells him now you guys have to, have to source the straw to make the bricks. Moshe comes and he challenges Hashem indignantly. He says, Lama Lama Why have you done bad to this people? And what does what does Hashem respond? Hello, you're not the first guy to have an interaction with me. I'm used to I'm I'm used to speaking to the greatest of the great, Abraham, Yitzchak. They never questioned me. So Taka, why does Moshe Rabbeinu question? Where is his your faith and belief. One of the explanations here that Rebbe points to in 25 is Moshe Rabbeinu's level is Chochmah. 
It's wisdom. And if it doesn't make sense, so the obvious, so the level of emotion, you could say, we don't understand, doesn't make sense. We're in love with God. I'm sure he knows what he's doing. And Moshe Rabbeinu has to represent Chach. And he gets chastised. Hashem kind of tells him off. All of a sudden, Hashem is speaking to him with Midas Hagvura, with, with, with a reproachment of sorts. So here we have Moshe Rabbeinu. In other words, what I want to point out is here that Moshe Rabbeinu, Truth has to be true everywhere. Otherwise, it's not, you know, not well. <laughs> Meishar Rabbeinu is, is the epitome of truth. But that truth, therefore, expresses himself all the way to the end of his lifetime when we say that he wasn't able to adopt, it wasn't his union in life to adopt the methodology of Aaron. However, by the way, none of our, today, to, to find someone in MS, you have to find, you know, even among Rebbes, or Rebbe Lach, maybe you find, if you find one in the generation, you're like, Emes, like Emes, and, and uh, but Meish Rabbeinu, the, the Rebbe of all times, the source of all the Shomelolias, everybody, and uh, he's, he's the shepherd of the shepherds. Who's, uh, who's, uh, who's, who's the shepherd tonight? We had Abraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, uh, we had Meish Aaron, Yosef, tonight is David. Tonight is David. Tonight is David. I'm not speaking about Shabbos. And the other, yeah. Shana Rabbah, according to all, huh? And no, it's the Rebbe Rashab, the fifth oh. Rebbe. So, paragraph five. Since we're talking, since both of these modus operandi, so to speak, are according to Taylor, remember, Aaron was not going to Taylor. Why should I have been taught? Moshe Rabbeinu taught the path of Aaron. Just he wasn't there. He taught it. It's also that there must be advantages. Which is which is higher? No, there's there's an advantage in one over the other, and in one over the other. The Mila, the advantage of Moshe Rabbeinu's behavior was that there's no possible deviation from truth. On the other hand, Aaron Akoyans being able to change for the sake of peace had an advantage. That through through that he was able to reach lower places where the only way to reach it was through changing and able to touch them and elevate them. In the end, he brought Reuben and uh, uh, Reuben and Shimon, who were in a place that they couldn't be touched by Moshe. Aaron was able to reach them and bring out in them something that 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 pleased Moshe. But this will explain why. The reason why by the passing of Moshe we point out the greatness of Aaron and here you see incredible I, I should not I, I feel I, it's, it's, I say incredible teaching of the Rebbe you know, but what I'm saying here you see an incredible insight into what the Torah is telling us because it's telling us that Moshe's and this also by the way is truth only truth can do this this is supposed to be Moshe's day. When somebody passes away, you know the saying, somebody passed away, everybody says he was holy. Even if he was a even if it was a low life scoundrel. When a person passes away, there's something that comes out, and we always look at the good things and, and sometimes grating on the ear to hear some of the things people say about maybe that's why Hasidim have the custom not to say, to ask not to ask, not to be eulogized because Sometimes Neshama may be listening and saying, oh, please stop saying these things that you know that may not be true. Okay. But it doesn't matter. But let's say that even the true things, 
This is what we talked about before he passed away. But comes to Emes, Amesha says, I want to, I want to talk to the truth of the matter. Tell you, on the day of my passing, we're going to address the truth of the matter. What's the truth? That in the lifetime of Meshach Rabbeinu, when he was busy doing his he had to be true to his mission that Hashem gave him. He was totally caught up and occupied in his methodology, in his style of serving Hashem. And his mission was to do everything, absolutely everything, in an untainted, unvarnished level of truth. However, when it comes to the place where Vayal Meshach Rabbeinu now ascends from this world, and he goes to the mountain of Nevoi. He finished his mission down below. And he's ascending above. Now, he says, I want to, now I have time. I'm not, now I'm not busy projecting into the world. I'm ascending. Now I want it to be heard. There's something very special, even, adv even advantageous about our and my brother's behavior. Similar, says the Rebbe, from a, a, a puzzling teaching we have in the Gemara, Gemara in Brachas, about Rabbi Yechonim and Zakkai. Rabbi Yechonim and Zakkai, the greatest of the great, before he passed away, he said, he was crying, he said, I don't know which path they're taking me. Am I going to go to the path of heaven to reward or, God forbid, what was my life like? The perplexingness of it is, he was one of the greatest teachers of the Mishnah, one of the greatest Tanoim. As our sages tell us in various places about the incredible greatness of Rabbi Yechem and Zakkai. He was obviously careful about every single thing in steering away from negativity and in doing good. He should have a doubt, honestly. Now, if you heard that today from somebody, you would say they're looking for attention. People see, speak self-deprecatingly. Somebody will say, I'm a Nazi. I'm a and we really know if you tell him, yes, you're a nothing, he'll say, excuse me, you're telling me I'm a nothing. So people do that to get attention sometimes. It's true, obviously. When he's crying, he means it. When he says, I don't know which way we're taking me, he means it for real. But how can you mean it for real? We know that he has an impeccable record of, of doing everything right. So the Hasbara, the explanation, giving Exodus is, Dr. Rebbe quotes here from, from the Kutetera, that even though he was sure that he did everything properly, in as, in as much as his revealed powers and faculties. He knew he did everything accurately properly. What he was considering, what he was doubtful about is, did he do everything? Had he achieved everything that the etzem hanefesh, his essence of soul was able to achieve? And, and he was thinking, that's really the crux of the question. Did I really do everything I could? However, that's also not understood. If he had a doubt about where his the essence of his soul was, whether it's in the right place or God forbid, not, the opposite. Why? Why did you wait? Why did you wait till right before he passed away? You had a whole lifetime. If you're really worried, deal with it. But you can still do something about it. So one of the explanations is the lifetime of Yechem Ezekai. He was so busy doing what he needed to do, what he knew he needed to do, what his mission was in this world, learning Torah for himself, teaching others Torah, and doing all the incredible things he did. He didn't have any time to sit down and think about himself, even to think, did I really reach the highest possible level that I could reach? Where am I? What is my afterlife going to look like? What's time for that? He didn't indulge. It's a <laughs> He didn't indulge in that. He, he's busy. 
What do I got to do now? He did it. And he's doing everything in an open way that he should have. Now when he's passing away, that's it. He's he's concluding his shlichus, his mission. So now he has to think, one second, is there anything I still need to clear up? What, where am I really? Maybe I need to you know, take a few moments before I move on to be in touch with my deepest self. Similarly here in our Indian. Moshe Rabbeinu is about to pass away. Moshe Rabbeinu has finished his conscious role here in this world in a physical way. Now he has time to be involved and to meditate on the various methods and paths that there is and the difference between his Aveda and his brother's Aveda. And therefore, at this time, Moshe Rabbeinu himself is projecting before he passes that I did this way and I'm sure, you know, I did what I was meant to do, but there's something I wasn't able to do. That's Aaron's work, which in some way is advantageous over mine. And that's why in the Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu, when we record Moshe's unadorned and unvarnished and truth of Moshe, in these psukim that speak about the passing of Moshe, advantage, the, the virtue of Aaron over Moshe is pointed out. Says the Rebbe, let's, let's get a little deeper though. I'm not satisfied, says the Rebbe. Paragraph 6. Since Moshe Rabbeinu's Midah, if his mode of operation was Emes, so there's no difference whether he is down below here or up in heaven doing what he was in heaven. Him, that's truth. That truth doesn't change also in the next world. So what, what, what changes when he passes away? And the Rebbe says here something very deep from Siddhartha. The concept of the passing of Moshe means not just he arose and passed away from this physical world. That is the Shama left his physical soul, left his physical body. It means that there was an a passing in the sense of a elevation. Moshe Rabbein had an elevation, a spiritual elevation. His neshama went to a much higher level than it had achieved during its lifetime here in this world. We know it says Moshe Rabbein went to the mountain of Nevoi. Nevoi is two words can be extrapolated to Nun Boy, the 50th, the mountain where the 50th is there. In other words, there's 49 levels of perception of Shari Bino, the gates of understanding. The 50th is it's not possible for a soul in this world. On the day of his passing, he went to the 50th level. He went to the mountain that's called Nunbo, Har Nevo, Nunbo, the, the mountain which represented the ascent to the 50th level. And we could say that that's also the explanation, the, the Pneumius explanation, where it says, Mesha, Mesha elevated to the mountain. Moshe really, if you think about it, Moshe's mission on, on earth was to draw down, not to go up, to draw Hashem's Torah down. He was in, in, a, in a wedding, we always need the one who uh, who accompanies the kala, the bride, the one who accompanies the groom, the one who's from the side of Hashem, the relationship of, of the king, who's coming alongside the king to present the king to the queen, and who's coming alongside the queen to elevate the queen to the king. Moshe, Aaron was accompanying the Bnei Saul to elevate them to the king. Moshe's job was to, so to speak, accompany Hashem, present Hashem, down below. That was what he always did. He, he through him streamed forth the word of Hashem down below. Saying that Moshe Rabbeinu went up, that's a, that's a, that's a reversal. It's a reversal of sorts. It's an elevation. It's, it's a transformation. Aaron Akain was the one who accompanied 
the um, the queen. He, what does that mean? He represents the Jewish people. He elevates by lighting the menorah is that action of kindling. Fire goes upwards. So it was, so to speak, as if he kindled the souls of the Jews to bring them close to Hashem. Moshe Rabbeinu was the one who drew down the message of God to the Jews. But when Moshe Rabbeinu passed away, he had an ascent, in other words, a transformation. Now what he's doing is joining Aaron, in a sense, getting that additional advantage of, 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 of bringing up the people towards Hashem. And this is connected with the fact that he merited the Sharanun, he merited the 50th level. During his lifetime, when the Aveda of Mesha, when the service of Mesha was characterized and limited according to his level, according to his modus operandi. So then all that was shining in a physical, revealed way was the 49 levels of gates of understanding, Memtes Sharimina. Which Memtes, when we talk about 49, this points to the limitation that the world the limitation of world because seven times seven we have seven days of creation the full fulfillment and extrapolation of seven days of creation seven times seven is 49 however when you get to the vayal the elevation and into the 50th level elevation here meaning leaving all of the usual parameters of limitation and of world now is also ascending from his um, defined way of work. Moshe Rabbeinu's defined way of serving Hashem was emes. Now he's uh, uh, ascending from the def definition or the defined boundaries of who he is. Now he is, therefore, a reversal. Now he's ascending. And therefore, Because he's given this 50th level, he's now able to do things that before that he was limited and unable to do. So now we'll understand also about the concept of Moshe Rabbeinu's love for his fellow Jew and bringing peace. Since on the day of his passing, Moshe was in the level of Vayal, of an elevation. In other words, he was in what usually was reserved for Aaron. Aaron was the ascender. Here Moshe Rabbeinu, on the day of his passing, is so to speak, freed from the, from the limitations of his definition. And he's now able to join that that other additional way of serving Hashem through ascent. So that's why he then perceives, he, he then truly appreciates Aaron Akayan, his brother's modus operandi. So what does this teach us? Paragraph 7. From this, so we can say that from all of this, we see Another concept in the great Avas he saw the love that Moshe Rabbeinu had. In the Psukim, in the verses that speak about his passing, he says, who wrote those Psukim? Who wrote those Psukim? If Moshe Rabbeinu wrote the whole Torah, there's, there's a few different opinions about this, but the Rebbe is going with the opinion that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote it, but he was Hashem was streaming through him what was about to happen, about him passing away. So you listen to this. Moshe Rabbeinu is speaking, writing the Torah, talking about the advantage of Aaron. Why? So that for posterity, for history, the Jewish people will always know that there's an advantage. We have to learn how broad and how deep Avas Yisrael needs to be. 
that no, notwithstanding the great Abbas Yisrael that Moshe had, nonetheless, it's not enough. Moshe is saying this to us. The word of Hashem that he's transmitting at his passing. Take a look at Aaron. Don't stop. Don't stop at even the great level of Abisal of Moshe Rabbeinu. Aaron, for whatever reason, Moshe Rabbeinu had his had his shlichus of MS and so on. But you have to try and aim even deeper and incorporate this Aveda of Aaron. The Aveda of Aaron is Reidev Shalom to pursue peace and to instill peace between man, between his fellow, and between the wife and her husband. So here we have incredible uh, look at the at how the how the truth of Moshe also us to the total depth um, um, and comprehensiveness of the love of Aaron, and we who are, of course, weakness, are the influence that um, we are told in Perkyovus also, have a mitalmid of Shalom. We are not people of Emmas, generally speaking. Mitalmid of Shalom, we have to follow the path of Aaron, pursue peace in a way that even if there needs to be sometimes Lashana is to change things to reach out to people that can only be reached people to ourselves that can only be reached sometimes through a little bit of uh, less truth more acceptance and this has to be the methodology the, the moment.